Okay, Bokitov, good morning. It's wonderful to see everybody. I weren't sure anybody was going to show up, so it's nice to see uh, such a crowd. And we're very excited to start this new uh, learning opportunity every week. Um, it's a beautiful day out, so maybe moving forward we'll actually do it in the backyard as we uh, yeah. can enjoy our magnificent winter down here. Um, so the idea was to do as follows, that, that on, on Wednesday mornings to get together for a short period of time, this is not like an hour and a half uh, big thing, you know, half hour to 45 minutes, and to focus on a topic of emuna, And I really struggled with what exactly we should learn. Um, at the cup of joe on Wednesday mornings, with the men after Minyan, although women are certainly invited as well, we've been doing Sha'ar and Betfilah of Rapinkis. It's very inspiring, and it focuses on emuna. But I didn't want to do the same thing. You can listen to that online. So I was thinking what else to do. And, and I decided, at least for now, that rather than lock ourselves into one text, to maybe try to find something else every week. It could be on the Parsha. Maybe it'll be relevant to a holiday that's coming up maybe relevant to a world event that's going on, but to find things uh, every week and uh, just to learn a unit each week, which is separate, so you don't have to, if you miss a week, you can continue to come. So I found this beautiful insight of the Slana Rebbe for this week on this week's Parsha, where he deals with the topic of emuna. I think it's really important to talk about emuna. We've been doing this series on Shabbos afternoon and, and now this and Shara B'Tfilah because we all struggle with it. You know, I think one of the challenges in particular in, in our community, and I'm using the term our community as loosely the modern Orthodox community, whichever segment of it you identify with, but we're very proud of being intellectuals. You know, we have philosophical discussions and high-level learning, and we use fancy terms like uh, ontological and axiomatic and theology. We try to impress one another, and we lose the basics. And the basics for ourselves to get through the day and the basics, especially for our children in this very, very confusing world, is emuna. The very basics is what we call emuna pshuta. The idea that there's a creator of the universe, that he continues to have providence and dominion over his world, that he has expectations of us, that he cra- craves a relationship with us, that when we embrace him and welcome him into our lives, our lives are much richer and much stronger and much more fulfilling. And I don't mean to simplify, there are a lot of challenges with Amuna, because you want to believe in Hashem, but people have experienced things in life that make it very difficult to believe in Hashem. Leave us with all kinds of questions. Hashem, where were you? If you exist and if you love me as you claim to and the rabbis teach me to believe about you, then where were you and why are you doing this to me? So I, I, the goal is not to oversimplify Amuna and to pretend that it's you know, such an easy thing. I'll just tell you a, a quick uh, anecdote in that regard. I may have mentioned it in the afternoon class. You know, the, the Sefer, um, the, Sefer uh, the Garden of Amuna, which is a valuable Sefer, Rav Shalom Arush, translated by uh, Rabbi uh, Lezer Brody. It's a valuable book. I would never say a negative word about it. In fact, one, a few summers ago when I was really into this topic, Yechavid and I went to go meet with Rav Arush. That's a whole story in its own right. The book starts, but understand that the book represents a very hardcore philosophy, extreme philosophy of Brussels when it comes to Amuna. So the book starts with this, I'm sure maybe everyone here has read it, some have read it. The book starts with this story about the person who's running late for their flight and uh, they miss their flight and they're devastated as they get to the airport. They were so eager to get home to be with their children and they miss the flight and it's so sad until the plane is hijacked or blows up in the air or has a terrible crash landing and you see Amuna, Hashem has a plan, Hashem takes care of you, there's always a reason. So when we met with Arusha, I said, it's a, it's a lovely story, but that's not Amuna. It's easy to have Amuna when you missed your flight and it turned out the flight crashed. What about the person who was on standby and wasn't supposed to be on that plane? And the only reason they made it on that plane 
was because you were late. What about the wife and children of that person who was on standby who died because they made the flight? That's Amunah. Amunah is not when everything's going great. That's easy. To see Hashem in your life, to reach out to Him, to, to desire Him, to long for Him, to work in a relationship with Him when you're in a moment of challenging time, that's Amunah. That's real Amunah. So there's, there's a lot to talk about, about Amunah. But again, rather than be kind of scattered, and let's take a topic. And, and I have found that this is the way Amunah works, for me personally. Like the Masilah Sasham writes in his introduction. There are certain things that we all know. There are certain things that are basic or obvious. But they bear repeating over and over and over again. Because we live in a world of clouded judgment and distraction and temptation. And it's just so easy to forget about the most important principles in life. The Ramchal of Moshe Chaim Lutzato begins Masilah Sasham by saying something no author of any book has ever written before. Because you don't sell a lot of books when you say this in the introduction. He says, I'm about to say nothing new. Everything in my book you know. Everything in my book has been written before. I have nothing new to add. Right? No, nobody's ever written that in an introduction before. And he says, but why am I writing it? Because it bears repeating. And if you plan to read my book once and put it on a bookcase to gather dust, don't bother reading it at all. This book will only have value, says the Ramchal, if you read it over and over and over again. Because what we're missing, whether it has to do with not eating the chocolate cake or working on our anger or amuna, we're not missing... The, the ideas, we're missing the awareness, the mindfulness. And so Amuna too takes mindfulness. There's a language of Hashem among ourselves and with our children. There's a language of, oh, look how, look how good Hashem is to us. We found that parking spot. Oh, look how that worked out. It didn't rain and we were able to do what we wanted to do. Oh, did you thank Hashem? You know, when I, when I try to remind, when we try to remind our children to make a bracha before eating, it's not, did you make a bracha? It's like this punishment. Did you brush your teeth? Did you make a bracha? It's, did you thank Hashem? You're about to eat His food. Did you thank Hashem? You love that candy. Did you thank Hashem for that delicious candy you're about to eat? There is a language of emuna, whose whole goal is to promote and increase a sense of mindfulness, that He's in our life, that He is a, a pivotal, central part of our life, that we owe everything to Him, that we need Him and rely on Him, that we have to have a sense of gratitude to Him. Okay, so for this week, let's try to see how far as we get in this piece in the Salam Rebbe. The Nesiva Shalom is written by the Salam Rebbe of Shalom Noach Brzovsky. Zatzal passed away. The previous Salam Rebbe is the Rebbe in Yerushalayim. Um, the Salam Rebbe is, is well known for his ability to have taken mystical concepts and deep ideas and to communicate them in an accessible way that anybody can, can access them. Um, he was brilliant. And his Nesiva Shalom, which is written not only on, on, on the five... Uh, books of, of Chumash, but written on, on a myriad of different topics is, is something which is wonderful. I used to enjoy going to his tish in Yerushalayim, because when you go to a Hasidish tish, it's packed with bleachers and thousands of Hasidim, and Hasidim believe in this concept, um, which it's a little difficult to understand if you weren't raised with it, but they believe in the concept of Shirayim, that if the Rebbe is a tzaddik, if he's a righteous person, and he ate from the food, the food is now transformed to have some holiness, some residual effect of, of the Rebbe's holiness. So everybody can get access to that food. Oh, you're going to have contact with that, with that holiness. So you go to other tishes, and there's a lot of... If you go in Elul, for example, the Rebbe dips his challah in the honey, and then a chassid dips his hand in the honey, and the next chassid grabs off his hand, and off his finger, and off his hand. So if you're like... You don't have to be OCD to be a little bit... You know. But the Salon of Rebbe is the only tish I ever went to that had plates and forks. They took the Rebbe's food, they cut it, you got a little plate with a little fork, and you had some shirayim from the Rebbe. So that's the only tish I ever ate shirayim. Anyway, so this is the Salon of Rebbe. So he says the following. At the end of our parsha, 
We're introduced to Avram Avinu in this week's parsha in Lech Lecha. Anyone not get? Anyone? We're introduced to Avram Avinu, and uh, you mean? Avram Avinu discovers Hashem. Why is it not mentioned in the Torah? Is its own is its own story. We already have the story of uh, many of the tests of Avram already take place in our parsha, even before our parsha. The episode where he is challenged to abandon his faith and he's thrown into the fiery furnace. We have the um, we have the episode of the war of the four kings and the five kings, where Avram rises to the occasion, excuse me, in order to rescue his nephew Lot. And after all of that, God turns to Avram and he says, "Don't worry, I've got your back." So says the Rebbe the following: he quotes the pasuk. After all these things, after all these things, Avram passes the test of lachlacha. He leaves everything he knows and everything he's familiar with, and he is the Avram. He's the Ivri. He's on the other side of the world as everybody else. He's taking the the unpopular position on things. Why? Because he's choosing to stick with God, even while others have abandoned him. He survives Lech Lecha, and he survives the Kivshana Ish, and he survives the war of the four kings, the five kings. And God comes to Avram in a vision, and he says, "Altira Avram, don't be afraid. Anochi Magain Lach. I'm going to be your Magain. What's a Magain?" I'm going to be your shield. I'm going to be your protector. Your reward is great. That's the passage towards the end of this week's parsha. What's familiar about that word magain? If you think of Avram and you think of the word magain, what should come to mind immediately? The bracha and Esrei. And this is where it's from. The bracha, magain Avraham, is from this passage. God says, I will be your shield. I will be your protector. I will have your back. And that's what we daven every day to tap into that same bracha, that same blessing that God have our back. So he quotes the Sefer Ber Avraham, who is from a previous Slanam Rebbe. Dine Avram Avinu Ayyam Sari Laakha Kolanis Magidolam Shasa Imal Kaj Borhu Bor Kazdim Ubamachemas Dalad Malachim. Avram was scared. Why? When things are going, you know, some sometimes the scariest moment is when things are going too well in life. When everything seems to be working and you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. And you say, Everyone in my family's healthy, I have a roof over my head. I have a livelihood. My kids are giving me nachas. I have grandchildren. Like, when am I going to get the bad news? I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting. When is the phone call? When is the diagnosis? When is the bad news? When is the... It's too good to be true. Something's going to happen. And sometimes those are the, the scariest moments. You're waiting for the other shoe to drop. So that's Avram. Avram has survived these difficult moments. And he's waiting for the other... He's very afraid that he's used up all of his merit. And that there's no chance of his continuing to get bracha. So Avram is worried. And what is he worried about, says the Slalom Rebbe? That Avram's going to get arrogant. You know, if everything's going your way, God makes you promises, you rise to the occasion and you pass your tests, you're gaining influence and prominence and prestige and wealth, at some point that's going to go to your head. And Avram's worried. If everything keeps going my way... I'm going to get arrogant. And when I get arrogant, who am I going to forget? That's all of Sefer Dvarim. Is Moshe telling them. When you go on the land and you work the land and you harvest the land and you get wealthy, don't forget God. When you need it to rain and you're desperate for a livelihood, that's when you pray with all your heart. When everything's good and you're high and mighty, it's really easy to forget God. So Avram's worried he's going to forget God. And it's easy to say to yourself, you know what, if I have everything in my life, psh, must be because I'm great. I'm wonderful. I'm Mr. Wonderful. Mrs. Wonderful. I got everything going for me. I'm doing everything right. And that's why God's giving me everything. 
And that's what Avram is worried about. So what does Avram do? He cloaks himself with awe and reverence for Hashem. What is the antidote to arrogance? What is the antidote to forgetting Hashem? Mindfulness of Hashem. Awe and reverence of Hashem. Seeing Hashem in everything. You know, the sun rises very late these days. Where at this period of the year you wake up at 7 a.m. and it's pitch black out, which is very uh, debilitating in some ways. But it also provides an opportunity. Go watch the sunrise. You know, we have the sunrise minion once a month, and the genesis of it was a bunch of years ago. At one point, I realized we live near the beach on the East Coast. We have the opportunity to see the sunrise. So I woke my kids up really early one morning. It was not this time of year. And I said, let's go watch the sunrise. And we sat on the beach and we watched the sunrise. I said, you know, maybe other people would be interested in this. Let's try a sunrise minion. And it took off from there. But watch the sunrise. It's a magnificent thing to see. You want awe and reverence. You want awareness of Hashem. Watch the sun rise. Go to, go to, go to the, um, what's it called? The newborn thing in the hospital. Neonatal unit. Or, or, even, or, or go to the, uh, the nursery. You want to see God. You want to see miracles before your very eyes. You know, read, understand science, understand the world. See what's happening. The antidote to forgetting Hashem is making the steps, taking the steps to be mindful of Hashem. Don't read the news as an agnostic. Read the news looking to see the hand of Hashem. Live life looking to see the hand of Hashem. You know the famous uh, joke. I've said it before about the guy who's late for an interview and he's in Manhattan and he's desperate for a parking spot and he's circling and circling and circling and there's no parking spot, no parking spot, no parking spot. So he pulls over and he says, God, I'm late to this interview. I need this job. I'll do anything. If you help me find the parking spot, I'll never speak Lashon Hara. I'll make it to Minyan. I'll be perfect. Mitzvah. I'll do everything. And just then, the spot right in front of the building where he has the interview opens up. And the man looks up and he says, Never mind, God. I found one. <laughs> right? So, that's all of us in life. Right? It's a great joke. But that's all of us in life. I need you, Hashem. I need you, Hashem. I need you, Hashem. And when everything works well, then... We went to the Blind Museum in Israel this past summer. I don't know if anyone's been there. You were at the Blind Museum. You can't say the bracha of Pokech Ivrim in the morning, that God, you open the eyes of the blind, the same way. When you experience what it means to be blind for an hour, I mean, blind, Sheba, blind, like pitch, 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 pitch black. Whatever you're picturing is black. Now, you know, times a million, that black. And then you come out and you see and you go, wow, the gift of sight is a miracle. And it's not Magieli. Who says I'm entitled to wake up in the morning and see? Who says I'm entitled to wake up in the morning and breathe? Who says I'm entitled to wake up in the morning and my feet work and my ears work and my eyes work? Who says I'm entitled to wake up in the morning and my bladder works? These are gifts. We have a bracha ashayata. All of Torah and all of halacha is designed to promote a mindfulness and awareness that God is in your life and that we have blessings. So this, this may sound crude, but you come out of the bathroom and you say, wow, I'm so grateful that went well. I'm so grateful that could happen. People who have catheters or people who have colostomies or people who have, you know, uh, GI issues, what they would give to be able to have going to the bathroom be an incidental part of their day, what they would give, they would give their right arm to have going to the bathroom be a nothing for part of the day they don't even remember. So we, for whom everything is so... Please, God, simple and straightforward and easy. Ashiyatzer. Ashiyatzer is not there to make you look weird 
you know, in front of other people because you're mumbling something, you come out of it. Asher Yatsar is a bracha to say, be mindful. It just went well. <laughs> it didn't have to. And it doesn't always have to. And if you want it to keep going well, acknowledge it. Say thank you. Have a mindfulness of God in, in, in our lives. So Avram is worried that everything's going so well, he's going to forget God. And what's the antidote? What does he start to do? He works on his Yerashamayim. He tries to have a mindfulness and awe, a reverence for Hashem in his life. By, in his heart, arousing the sense of greatness, the awe of God, But God says to Avram, Don't worry, you don't have to have that fear. You don't have to embrace fear of me, awe of me. I have another suggestion for you. And you know what it is? Anochi magain lach. I am your shield. All the miracles I did for you, Avram, came about as a result of your bitachon that you had that I'm going to come through, that I am your shield. And because you live life with that bitachon, because you live life with that calm understanding that I have your back, you have incredible reward. And what's the great reward? Islam Rebbe is playing off the Pasuk. The Pasuk ended, Your reward is great. Normally we translate the word ma'od as great. But ma'od is also a reference, says Islam Rebbe, to the Mishnah in Perkeyavos. The Mishnah there says, Ma'od, ma'od, have a ruach. You should be exceedingly humble. It doesn't just say ma'od one time. Be humble. Ma'od, ma'od. Be exceedingly humble. Even though your reward is great, Avram, meaning, I do miracles for you because you rely on and have faith and depend on me. Don't worry, Avram. You keep relying on me, I'll keep doing the miracles for you, and it won't make you arrogant, it will do the opposite. When you see that submitting to God and conceding to God and an awareness and mindfulness of God <coughs> and a gratitude to God yields richness and meaning and purpose and fulfillment and miracles in your life, you won't become arrogant as a result. You become more humbled. You become more humbled by that awareness. The the reward, Hashem says, is if you stick with me, you won't get arrogant, you'll be more humbled. And this, says the Slalom Rebbe, is what we're doing when we end the first bracha of the Amidah. Blessed are you, Hashem, the shield of Avraham from our Pasuk. How did Avraham find the superhuman strength to overcome what he did. How did he find that capacity? He did it because he had faith in Hashem. And so when we make that bracha every day, Magain Avraham, God, you are the shield of Avraham, Hashem was only the shield of Avraham reciprocating for the faith Avraham put in Hashem. So says the Son of Rebbe, what we're really saying in that bracha is, give me that faith in you. Help me find the strength to rely and depend on you. There's a great book I once read called Survivor's Club. I highly recommend it. I don't remember the name of the author.
Survival or the survivors, survivors Club. The uh, author, the author goes through a lot of examples of survival, whether it's survivors of cancer and illness, survivors of the Holocaust, survivor of a plane crash, survivors of whatever it is, survivors of different things, and tried to study what predisposes somebody to survive. You know, what made this person more likely to overcome illness? What made this per- person more likely to survive the Holocaust? You know, not to assign any blame. What made this person more likely to make it through the plane crash? There are fascinating anecdotes in it. It's a, it's a very cute book. It's a very interesting book. You know, for example, Chavit and I are both lefties. Lefties have a shorter lifespan than righties. Did you know that? What? what? Lefties have a shorter lifespan than righties. Not because anything genetic. Oh, there you go. Not because of anything genetic in lefties, but because the world is designed for righties, so there's a lot more accidents and incidents and problems lefties. That's ah, cute. I'll tell you another cute anecdote. Has there. Where is the safest place on earth to have a heart attack? The hospital. Wrong. The hospital is one of the worst places. You could drop dead in the hallway of the hospital, the staircase, nobody will notice you for. The hospital is loaded with dogs. You know where the safest place in the world to have a heart attack is? Statistically, after studies, I'm not telling you you should go there for this purpose, but is a casino. Because casinos have cameras everywhere, and they're watching everybody, and if you drop in a casino, they'll be on you faster than anywhere. Anyway, it's a cute book. But in addition to being cute, it's based on real research. And it is really, really fascinating. So you know what he concludes? He's a Jewish guy, the author of the book, and he describes in the beginning of the book... What? Ben Sherwood, that's his name. So he describes in the beginning of the book that he is not a person of faith. That he doesn't know if he believes in God, he's certainly not a person of practice. But by the end of the book he writes, and I'm sorry to spoil alert, I'll give you the end of the book, but uh, by the end of the book he writes, he concludes that you know what predisposes some to survive more than others? Faith. Faith gives you the strength to survive. Because without faith, you give up. You have despair. Without faith, you think there's absolutely no way. When I was reading the book, there was an incident of two NFL players who were boating and the boat capsized. This was a bunch of years ago. It's got to oh, go yeah. back seven, eight years ago. In Tampa Bay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, one of them survived and the other drowned. Yeah. And they asked the one who survived. He like hung on to a piece of wood right. in the middle of the cold ocean until he was found. And they asked him why he survived. And he said, every time I wanted to give up and let go, I pictured my children. And I thought about God, and I just held on another, I had faith, another, if I wait another moment with faith, they're going to come and rescue. Every time I was ready to give up, I just said, I just need to get through one more minute, and I have faith, this will all be okay. So, I don't mean to suggest that, oh, if you have faith, you know, you beat cancer. If you have faith, you survive the Holocaust. If you have faith, you walk away from the plane crash. It's obviously not that simple. But here's a researcher who began by saying he doesn't have faith and concludes that the ingredient that predisposes you towards survival is, is faith. Magain Avram, we say this bracha every day, and in that bracha what we're saying is, God, you are Avram's shield, I want you to protect me. Whatever challenge I have in life, some they're major and some they're minor. But whatever the issue is, Hashem, I want you, I need you to protect me. And I recognize that you will protect me, you will reciprocate when I rely on you, when I put my faith in you, when I have hope in you, when I'm mindful of you. That's what the Pasuk says. God says to Avram, I am your shield. Hashem, uh, Avram always relied on Hashem. 
And with that strength, that got him through everything. That got him through everything. Now the Meshach says, Meshach I reserve the right to repeat this again, maybe at the Shiram Shabbos, so I forget it by Shabbos. But the Meshach says, what's the definition of Dveikus? You know, we have a mitzvah of, of Dveikus, to be davak, to stick to Hashem. How do you fulfill, what does that mean, stick to God? Avram is described as being tamim, as, as being wholesome, as sticking to Hashem. What does it mean to stick to Hashem? So the Meshech Chachma, Rav Meir Simcha Vtinsk, says, what's the modern word devek mean? It means glue. Dvekas is sticking to Hashem. You know, your first day of school, a kid goes to a new school where they know nobody, they know one person, and they're really nervous. How will I know where to go, and how will I fit in, and what do I do when, and where do I... So the one kid they know says, stick with me, and you'll be okay. Just stick with me. Follow me, stick with me, and you'll be okay. You go to work the first time, you know one person. You go to shul the first time, you know one person. You're nervous, what will be, how will it go? And the person says, stick with me. So Hashem looks at us and He says, stick with me. I want you to stick with me. That's Tveikas. And that's what Avram did. Just stick with me. Whatever you're going through, stick with me. And the benefits are unbelievable. The calm that you feel is unbelievable. You're all worried about the Will they find their seeds? What's going to happen? What if it rains? The tent, the, 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 the parking, how's it going to work? Just stick with Hashem. Just You do your best effort. And once you do your best effort, everyone has a responsibility to do their best effort. Right? You're sick. You can't sit on the couch and say, I'm going to stick with Hashem. I don't need to go to the doctor. A living? I don't need to make a living. I'm sticking with Hashem. Somebody's going to leave a brown paper bag of money at my doorstep. Like, that's foolish. That's not emunah. That's not bitachon. We have to do our hashtablis. We have to do our effort. But once our effort is done, once we've done everything that we can, then anxiety is just... It's, it's actually... Anxiety is a statement of heresy. The Chazanish writes in Amuna and Bitachon. The Chazanish says, worrying is denying God's existence. Right? He's talking to a Jewish audience here. <laughs> is, is worrying is denying God's existence. Because what are you saying when you worry? You're saying, I don't really believe that God's in control. I don't really believe that it's going to work out. I don't really believe that whatever happens will be for the best. I'm worried. Now, we can worry about ourselves. We can worry that we won't produce the way we need to produce. We could worry about our success. But once we've done everything we can, if you worry about God's side, it's just going to take years off your life. It's just going to ruin the present because you're worried about the future. You're just giving up the moment. You're giving up your health. You're giving up relationships. You're giving up serenity. The greatest gift of the life of Amuna is the serenity it provides. The peacefulness of saying, I'm going to do the best I can. Beyond that, it'll be what it'll be. Hashem's in charge. Hashem's in charge and it'll be what it'll be. And you're, you're overcome with this feeling of, of peacefulness. And it's in a lot of different circumstances. I mentioned a few weeks ago in the afternoon class on Amuna. You know, this when I was studying a few summers ago about Amuna, and I had been driving back from somewhere, and I had to stop in a very bad neighborhood on the highway to get gas, and got out of the car, and there was a chevra there that didn't look so friendly. And I was like, for a second, I was really worried. I was really worried. You know, it was a bad neighborhood. And I was on the way back from a wedding. I was dressed in a suit. I, I was a good candidate if you wanted to take someone's wallet. That, was, that would be me. So I got out of the car, and I was a little bit nervous. I'm filling the car with gas, and I'm a little bit nervous. And, um, and all of a sudden I realized, at the time I was studying Amun, I was working on that Shabbat Shubhadrash and Amun, and I said, what am I doing? I'm talking about Amun, I'm preaching Amun, and here I am worried. And all of a sudden I realized, I don't have a choice. I was out of gas. I had to stop here. 
And once I stopped here, it's up to Hashem. It'll be fine. It'll be what it'll be. And I can't describe to you the relief, the feeling of calm, how good it felt to let go and let God, to say, you know what? It'll be what it'll be. Hashem's going to magain Avraham. Hashem was Avraham's shield, and He's going to shield me. And whatever happens will be to the best for me. So there's, there's so many positive byproducts of living a life of Amuna for your physical health, mental and emotional health, for your relationships, stop nagging, nagging about your worry and anxiety and fear and uncertainty and doubt. Who are you alienating with all that worry and anxiety and fear and doubt? Because nobody wants to be around negative energy of things that you can't control. It just sucks the life out of the room and out of the people in your life. So a life of Amuna of saying, I'm going to do the best I can. And beyond that, like Avram, I'm going to rely on Hashem and He will reciprocate. And so we have an opportunity three times a day, or however many times you daven, a whole good discussion for women, Allah is of women davening, but however many times you daven, you say the bracha, Magain Avraham, what you're saying is, Hashem, you are Avram's shield, be my shield. You are Avram's shield because he put his faith in you, I'm putting my faith in you. Avram lived with that mindfulness and that awareness and the resulting serenity, and I want the same thing. Why did Avram merit? We don't say Yitzchak or Yaakov's name. We say, okay, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, okay, Avram, okay, Yitzchak, Yaakov. But then we only conclude a bracha giving the merit to Avram. Magain Avram. We don't say Magain Yitzchak, Magain Yaakov. Why just Avram? So the Rebbe says, because Avram introduced us to this concept of Bitachon. And Avram needed it. It took an enormous amount of faith, a leap of faith, to break his father's idols, to say, throw me in the fiery furnace, and to stand up on soapboxes all over the world and say, you're worshiping pagans, you're fools. You're bowing down to idols and the sun, the moon, and the stars. You're, you're morons. There's one God, and this is what He needs from us. And you can't see Him, or smell Him, or touch Him, or feel Him, but trust me, He's there. He was Avram Ivri. He was on the other side of everything. You know what courage that takes? You know how much faith it takes to be true to what you believe and what you think? Because you're relying on Hashem, you're sticking with Him, and you're trusting He will stick with you. And that's why we end the bracha, Magain Avram. We're tapping into that amount of bitachon and munah he showed. Why is bitachon connected specifically to Avram? We find two qualities that are the hallmarks of Avram. Avram was the head of all of those people of Amuna, right? He introduced us to ethical monotheism. Right? That's the fancy philosophical term, monotheism. You want to know what the other term is? Emuna. <laughs> he introduced Emuna to the world. Not Emuna in idols, not Emuna in things, but Emuna in Hashem. He is the father of Emuna. And the other characteristic of his is kindness and love. So to live a life of bitachon is the combination of these two qualities, Emuna and Chesed. The first of the Ten Commandments is Anochi Hashem God introduces Himself to us and He says, Nice to meet you. I am the God, creator of the I am the God who took you out of Egypt. Nice to meet you. Anochi Hashem Where's the mitzvah in God's introduction? Some actually say that that's not a mitzvah. There are commentaries who say that that's not the first of the Ten Commandments. That's not a commandment at all. 
That's a prerequisite to commandments. I'm God. The commandments really begin with the next one. But most people understand Anochi Hashem Elokecha is the first of the Ten Commandments. And what's the commandment? For us to acknowledge and be mindful of Hashem Elokecha. There is a creator of the world. We didn't come from nowhere. Just like we have biological parents, if you trace that back, they had parents, they had parents, they had parents, there is a first cause in the universe. Shekolob is a base chalakim. Included in this are two things. Anochi Hashem, that I am God. Ha'emunah shabori is barach shemah hubori that God is the creator of the universe who continues to will creation. But he doesn't just say, nice to meet you, Anochi Hashem. Hi, I want to give you ten dibros. Here are my expectations of you and you should follow them because Anochi Hashem. I am the God of the universe. There's another word. Not only Anochi Hashem, what's the next word? Anochi Hashem, Elokecha. Kodesh Baruch Hu Elokecha. Ha'elokim Shalcha. Shabenkach Ubenkach Nikru Banim. Whether you recognize me or not, whether you embrace me or not, I am your father. I am your God. I have a personal, intimate relationship with you. I didn't just create a world and move on to my next project. There are people who believe in a creator, but they don't believe the creator has providence in their lives. Eh, God created the universe. It's too much sophistication, too much detail. There's too much. That I've studied physics and chemistry and biology. I believe there's a creator. I believe there's a first cause. But I also believe he moved on. There was a creator of my house, and there was a painter of the painting, and there was a sculptor of the sculpture, and there's a person who designed my clothing and made my watch. But I don't have a relationship with them. They made those things and they moved on. And maybe we live in a world where God did the same. There are people who believe in God, but don't believe he's involved in their life or that they have a relationship. So Salam Rebbe says, that's not our belief. Anochi Hashem, God says, I want you to know that not only am I God, I didn't move on. Anochi Hashem Elokecha. I am God, I created everything, and I am involved in your life. This is the foundation, the essence of bitachon. To live life knowing Hashem loves us. We don't talk about it enough. For some reason, we gave this away. We let the Christians take it and put it on their bumper stickers. But it's ours. Hashem loves us. And you know how you know He loves you? Because you're sitting here right now. You woke up this morning. Your legs work, your eyes work, your ears work. You have a roof over your head. You have food to put in your mouth. And you have greater technology with the ease of that. You live in the generation of the dishwasher and the washing machine. You know Hashem loves you. <laughs> Hashem loves you in ways we take for granted every single day. But we shouldn't concede that to any other religion. It's not, it, that's ours. Hashem loves us. You know what the worst thing in the world is? Showering someone with your love and not feeling it's appreciated. Going above and beyond, taking care, being sensitive, caring for somebody, loving someone, and not having that love reciprocated, it's very painful. It could be, unfortunately, in a marriage. It could be in, with children. It could be with a good friend or coworkers. It is a miserable, miserable, miserable feeling loving someone and not feeling the love back. Hashem loves us. But it's a reciprocal love. He wants our love. Hashem doesn't have needs and He doesn't feel miserable. Of course, He's perfect. But, you know, in our terminology, it's miserable. He wants us to love Him back. So, Anochi Hashem He introduces Himself to us as saying, don't think I created the world and moved on. I love you. I want to be close to you. Let's communicate. You talk to me. I'll talk to you, not verbally, but I'll communicate to you in other ways. Tell me what's going on in your life. 
reach out to me and I'll be there to help. <coughs> but I want the relationship. Elokecha, I'm your God. Mm-hmm. You know what else is amazing? You could alienate your parents and your parents could stop talking to you and your parents could throw you out of the house. You can't get rid of God no matter what you do. You could be off the derech, or you could be on a different derech, you could deny God, you could claim you hate God, but He's going to stick with you as a loving Father who unconditionally loves you. He's Elokecha Bechol HaMatzavim. Whatever's going on in your life and with whatever your feeling or attitude you have, He's going to love you. So the certainty of living a life of mindfulness and awareness and faith and reliance in Hashem is predicated on these two things. First you have to know God exists and then you have to believe that He loves you. That you're worthy of His love. And that you deserve His love that you could reach out to Him that He wants to love you. From the strength of his faith, combined with his love, he not only received Hashem's love, but he reciprocated. He was a loving person. So, Bitachon is the combination of the knowledge of God's existence with loving Hashem back. When you love Hashem, when you're in love with Hashem, because you know Hashem, then you will live a life of serenity and peace. You will live a life of Magain Avraham. You'll feel His shield, His loving embrace, His warm hand. You'll feel the shade that He is providing for you. Two more minutes. And then we're going to end on time. Yesh lichlozos b'maymar maran saba kadosh malchavetz. The Mishnah of says that Avram faced ten tests and he withstood them all. So says this uh, Rebbe, What does the Mishnah mean when it says that Avram withstood, he stood, stood firm, all ten tests? How did Avram get through these tests? Through prayer. How did he overcome the tests? By going to speak to experts, by Googling, by, you know, by taking steroids, by uh, human growth hormone. How did Avram overcome these tests? Because he turned to Hashem in prayer and he said, with everything else I'm doing, Hashem, I need you for strength. Give me the strength to overcome these tests. So even within the recognition that Hashem was the one providing the tests, he said, Hashem, give me the strength to overcome this test. I'm dealing with a difficult family member. I'm dealing with you know, a possibly terrible diagnosis. I'm dealing with a challenge with my finances and putting food on my table. I'm dealing with whatever it is. Part of the effort that needs to be done is to say, Hashem. Not just you know, heal the illness or make the family member go away. Hashem, give me the strength to get through it. Give me the strength to endure through that commitment to asking Hashem not just to solve the test but to give the strength to endure through the test that's the level of Amuna and Bitachon 
that earned Avram the place in Shemona Esrei, that every day we remember him as the paradigm, as the father, the archetype of Emuna, And we tap into it. And here's the beauty, I'll end with this because we can't finish the piece. Feel free to take it with you. But you know what the incredible thing what we're saying is, Magain Avram, here's the good news. We are Avram's children. We're his progeny. So, you know, there's actual studies, there's, there's biological studies, most of them done by Rabbi Tzvi Yehuda, Zatzal, Chasi Yehuda's daughter, who's an expert in this area, she's published in it. But studies of second generation Holocaust survivors studying biological, how, how their parents' survival impacts them genetically. Genetically. It's an amazing thing, right? It's an incredible thing. How growing up as a second generation of a survivor impacts you biologically, genetically. These are real science studies. So here's the good news. The moment you think, I can't do it. I don't have the strength to endure. I can't get through the tests. I'm not sure God exists. I, I, I struggle to welcome him in my life. Here's the good news. We are the children of Avram Avinu. We share his genetics. We are his progeny. We own, not only descend from him genetically, we descend from him spiritually. And when we say that bracha, Magin Avraham, what we're saying is Hashem. The same way Avraham had that faith, I am his great-great-grandchild. Give me that strength. Help me get through that test. Give me that faith in you to live with the Magain Avram so that I am worthy of you reciprocating by providing that shield and that, and that protection. So that is the Nesiva Shalom's uh, insight on our Parsha, a little thought on Emuna, and that's the plan. Every Wednesday morning, a cup of coffee. Don't bother putting that down. Put out some food or something like that. Save the, <laughs> save the sweet stuff for the men. So the, um, <laughs> but every Wednesday morning... Yeah, save the, uh, every Wednesday morning a little coffee, a little injection, a boost of Amuna, because coming back full circle to the way we started, that's what it comes down to. Like the Mesila Shisham, like the Ramchal said, it's all mindfulness. I have to tell you, I am the most grateful person in this room for this year, because it gives me the opportunity to remind myself. It's all mindfulness. If every Wednesday we have a little support group where we're trying to live with mindfulness of Hashem, hopefully that will impact the rest of our week. It'll probably fade by the next Wednesday, and that's why we'll meet again every Wednesday. So what we're studying about Amuna is even less important than the fact that we're studying Amuna because it will create the mindfulness. Have a great day. Chalabek, tomorrow night, sign up. Plenty of room left. No, no, no.